and welcome to Boopity Boppity Magic Hour. My name is Sarah and I'm here with my little sister Abby. Hey guys, we're huge Disney fanatics and want to share our love of all things Disney with you, our listeners. We realize that there are already lots of podcasts on how to plan a Disney trip and people's opinions on rides, resorts, and restaurants. But we're here to offer something different by discussing special facts, secrets, and theories that surround Disney entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Stay up to date on our blog posts at www.bippityboppitymagichour.wordpress.com and download our podcast, now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Before we get into this week's news, we're going to start today's episode with a little joke. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Abby. Your name should be Algebra. Why? I can't figure you out. <laughs> but you're you're good at algebra. <laughs> it's been so long since I did algebra. Um, just for some reference. That's a joke that's in one of the Disney TV shows. So... Oh, what TV show? Uh, that has to do with our episode oh, today. So, okay. if you want to figure out what TV show, you should listen past the news so you can hear which, ep- uh, which, which movie we're going to talk about today. Woohoo! Alright. In the meantime, let's go over some Disney news! As I pull up my Google Doc. (laughs) Okay. We're going to start with miscellaneous news. So the first thing is technically uh, resort news, but it was the only thing for resort news this week. But the French Quarter, which is one of the um, moderate, I believe, resorts. Yes, it's a moderate resort on the Disney World property. But they are going to be featuring a special activity, which is going to be called Painting on the Bayou. This <laughs> guided painting session is for ages 12 and up, and it's offered on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. It costs $35 plus tax, and participants can take the resulting artwork home. Space is limited to 16 people per session, and you can make a reservation by calling the hotel. Fun. Yeah. Going down to buy you. I have that popped into my head, too. <laughs> I was trying to think of the beginning of the words, but I got it. I love the music in that movie. Yeah, I really like it, too. Alright, next miscellaneous news is that Toy Story 4 is coming in June of 2019. Uh, also, you're missing another one that's coming out today. Well, we'll get back to that. Okay. Um, but yes... Just as Pixar Fest at Disneyland is starting and exciting details from Toy Story Land at Walt Disney World are being revealed, the news has been released that it's coming out June 21st, 2019. So, I know a lot of people have been waiting for this. I personally haven't because, like, one Toy Story was great, two was okay, three, I'm like, okay, I like Toy Story, but it can be over now. And then the fourth one. Yeah. Like, nobody was anticipating this one. No. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Kind of like um, Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) 
That just keeps going and going. I know. It's the only thing that Johnny Depp is doing anymore. Yeah. Alright, so next we're going to move into Disney Springs and into the Dooney and Burke store, <gasps> which Abby and I love, although we neither of us own anything. It. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and save up for like a wallet or something. <laughs> they've got such cute prints including this new orange bird print so this has kind of been like a um, a trend at Disney World the past year or so but the orange bird um, it's like the little symbol for the um, oh I can't remember the name of it but where you get Dole Whips in Magic Kingdom oh yeah and so they've incorporated it into a Dooney and Burke design the design is the orange bird's head and orange circles screened onto a navy-coated cotton. The fully lined bags feature stitched leather finishings, zip-top closures, and braided leather poles, polished hardware, metal feet, and leather carry handles. They're pretty cute. Yep. It's Not as cute print. as some of the other ones, though. No. I still really like, I think it's called, like, the... Disney sketches pattern or something it's that one yeah and I really like that, that one because each one is different like people will specifically want um, like a character or a castle on their print and not all of them have them so yeah I think that's pretty neat but yeah they're just all so cute they're so cute <sighs> okay I like the it's a small world ones too yeah all right, I need to stop looking at this. Oh, look at the Mary Poppins I one. I like the Minnie Mouse one. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Okay, we've gone down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, also in Disney Springs, Wine Bar George previews menu items. This is a 200-seat wine bar owned by Master Sommelier George Miliotis that's due to open at Disney Springs sometime this spring. Previewed... Oh, so the, the restaurant previewed some of its menu items recently. With a kitchen helmed by executive chef Ron Rupert, Wine Bar George will present a range of diverse dishes from a grilled octopus salad to macaroni and cheese bites to whole Greek sea bass that is large enough to share. Wine Bar George will reveal its entire menu and opening very soon. That sounds so good. They better, because it's almost summer. I can't believe it's almost summer. I can. I'm ready. <laughs> Alright. Last Disney Springs news is that Hung Hoing, I'm sure I butchered that, but he has been named executive chef of Morimoto Asia. So, Chef Hung was winner of the third season of Top Chef and is, an, an, and is an innovative cook of many cuisines. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Disneyland California! Ah! Disneyland Resort hotels are offering Pixar Fest experiences. This is to, um, specifically to the resort guests, obviously, because it's the resort hotels. Um, but these experiences include Pixar-themed movie nights, Pixar-themed pool parties, Pixar shorts in the kids' area of each hotel, and Pixar Fest photo frames and room packages. Ooh. I bet Pixar Fest is a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous that we can't experience it. But someday. 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 Maybe they'll bring it to Disney World eventually. Yeah. That'd be cool. 
Yeah. Okay. Next, DCA's Sunset Showcase Theater is going to be hosting Pixar short films. Um, so they are going to be showing Piper, Lava, and For the Birds, which are three of my favorites. I love yeah. Lava. I have a dream. I hope will come true. I really like that song, except I don't like the lady um, volcano's voice. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, she she's clearly a good singer. I just don't like the tone of, like, the color of her voice. And I don't think it blends well with the other one. Anyway. <sighs> that was yawn. Big yawn. You're not boring me, Abby. I'm just tired. Ouch. No, I'm saying you're not boring me. Okay. I didn't want you to think that you caused my yarn, because you didn't. All right. Next... Salt and Straw is coming to Downtown Disney. This is a family-run ice cream company founded by cousins Tyler and Kim Malik, and they're known for its taste-provoking, imaginative ice cream creations, which uniquely capture the spirit of classic Americana. Every ice cream flavor is handmade in small batches using the best local, organic, and sustainable ingredients. Special offerings will be available seasonally, showcasing head ice cream maker Tyler's passion for cultivating genuine partnerships with local farmers and artisans. The location will open later this year. That sounds so yummy. It sounds delicious. Oh, ice cream. Me too. Oh, yeah. It was Abby's birthday this week. <laughs> Yay. Happy birthday, Abby. <laughs> Thanks. I was about to ask, what did you ask for your birthday dessert tonight? Um... I'm really indecisive, so mom suggested um, her chocolate eclair cake that she hasn't made in a really long time. That's a good one. And, yep, I mean, pretty much anything mom makes for dessert, I'll be happy with. Yeah, she's she's good at making desserts. Oh, yeah. So, we're going to have that. And pizza. Pizza. Because I haven't had pizza, except for maybe two times since Christmas. Wow, that's not very long time. time. Okay, back to news. Okay. The second Disneyland After Dark Star Wars Night is going to be on May 9th. This is in response to guest demand. I guess the first one went swimmingly. Um, But yes, it's been scheduled for May 9th. Tickets go on sale May 1st. That's a pretty quick turnaround. The last Disneyland California news is that Pixar Pal Around attraction at Pixar Pier is coming. It's a reimagining of Mickey's Fun Wheel, which is the big Ferris wheel with Mickey on it. Comes to Disney California Adventure this summer. The 24 gondolas will feature different pairs of Pixar Pals, including Joy and Sadness, Mr. and Mrs. Incredible, and Wally and Eevee. Alright, okay, we're going to go to Disney World now, and we have um, our first news is that Galactic Knights event will include Solo, a Star Wars story elements. Star Wars Galactic Knights, to be held at Disney's Hollywood Studios from 7 to midnight on May 27th, will celebrate the entire Star Wars saga, including Solo, a Star Wars story, which will hit theaters on May 25th. Actor Junis Suotamo 
who plays Chewbacca in Solo, A Star Wars Story, will make a special appearance at the event. In addition, the event's Star Wars A Galaxy Far, Far Away presentation will debut some new video moments from Solo, A Star Wars Story. The park's nighttime projection show, Star Wars A Galactic Spectacular, will also debut a new action sequence from the Solo film. Tickets are available now for Star Wars Galactic Nights. Woo! And discounts are available for annual pass holders and DVC members. Woo woo! <laughs> That's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah. I wonder if I'll see that movie when it comes out. I probably will because I have a movie pass now. But I don't think I've... I definitely haven't seen the entire Rogue One movie. Didn't you see it in theaters? Mm-mm. I didn't. Oh. Sorry. I'll probably go see it because it has, um, I can never remember her name, but the girl who Felicity plays... Felicity Jones? No. Um, I'm talking about Solo. Oh. It has the girl who plays Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Amelia Clark. Is that her name? Yeah. Oh. She, the one that's in Me Before You? Yeah. For yeah. some reason, I thought that was her name in the movie. No. Oh, okay. Alright, next news is that Gods of Vikings, sorry, Gods of the Vikings exhibit is opening in Norway. It's going to be in the Stave Church Gallery, which is um, towards the front of the pavilion. But yeah, they have this new exhibit that is about Gods of the Vikings. Historically, Norse gods and goddesses were as real and as important to the Vikings as the air they breathed. Through this exhibit, guests will discover how Norse mythology helped the Vikings live their lives and understand the world around them. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> Is Thor's a Norse god, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of Thor, Elliot and I saw Infinity War last night. It's so good! I did not see Infinity War last night. I will not give you any spoilers. Okay. Next, Woody is arriving at Toy Story Land. While Disney World Imagineers have welcomed Woody, the cowboy from the Toy Story movies, to his permanent place in Toy Story Land. Is he not going to be in Disney World's Magic Kingdom anymore? He and Jesse used to be in the Frontierland. Did they? Mm-hmm. Hmm. By the Poop Street. I don't think they're there anymore. Because oh. Woody's been, um, he's been meeting in Hollywood Studios. Him and Buzz, I think. They have, like, their own little area. Hmm. But, yeah, he's going to get his own special meet and greet area. And standing nearly 20 feet tall, Woody is a part of the new Toy Story Land marquee which sits just in front of one of the land's most anticipated attractions, the Slinky Dog Dash Coaster. Woody tips his hat, which measures seven feet across, next to the marquee, which is made out of an alphabet, which is made out of alphabet blocks and a four-foot-tall yo-yo, just a few of the many toys that make up Toy Story Land. Oh, so maybe they're just talking about this huge marquee with Woody. Oh, okay. So, I guess, because him and Buzz definitely have a meet and greet spot. It's kind of by the, um, oh my goodness, Toy Story Mania ride. 
it's just the green army men. No, they just walk around. They don't have like a meet and greet um, queue area. Mm. They just walk around. They're pretty funny. Okay, but not as funny as the stormtroopers that walk around. I've seen some videos of them like picking on people. It's really funny. All right. <clears throat> Next, the Eat to the Beat concert schedule has been announced, mostly, for the International Food and Wine Festival this year, which we've already said the dates for, but just in case you didn't listen to that episode or you forgot, it's from August 30th to November 12th. So I'm not going to go through all of these because there's a lot of um, names in here, but Mercy Me is one of them. I thought that was really cool. I like Mercy Me. Um, Sugar Ray. Air Supply. 98 Degrees. Hanson. I feel like Hanson always is there. Boys to Men. Yes. So yeah, there's some, there's some good ones on there. Blue Oyster Cult. Was that at the top? Oh no, Blue October. I saw <coughs> the blue and then the O. Yeah. So yeah. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. We won't be there for food and wine this year, but that's okay. We're going for Christmas. Christmas. Alright, next free dining offer has been announced. Well, the dates have. But um yes, they're now available to book. You need to book by July 7th to get free dining. You can book either a value and moderate resort to get quick service dining plan, or if you book a, delux, a deluxe resort or a villa, then you get the Disney dining plan, which is the one that includes the table service. Um, so it is valid for the following dates, August 2nd to August 19th. This is only for Disney Visa card members, August 20th to September 29th. November 24th to November 27th, and December 7th to December 23rd. That's it. That's it. So get on it if you want free dining. Woo! I've heard that if you're able to get the free dining and you would normally get the dining plan anyway, this is a really good deal. Yeah. But we don't normally get the dining plan. And mm-hmm. Mom and Dad are Disney Vacation Club members, so. Yeah. Last news item is that Play Disney Parks app is coming soon. It's coming this summer on iOS and Android. Guests can play in the parks like never before using the soon-to-launch mobile app to access exclusive experiences at both locations through activities that interact with the surrounding environment. So both locations meaning Disney World and Disneyland. But this is going to be like... Pokemon Go. Maybe. The app will be free to download. With the touch of a button, wait time turns into playtime with family and friends at certain locations. And the more you explore in Disney Parks, the more there is to discover on the app. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see what it's like. Yeah. And if you didn't know it already, Disney World has free Wi-Fi in like all of their areas. Like all the parks downtown Disney and any of the resorts. Yes. So that's really cool. We do like free Wi-Fi. Yes. Alright, that's all I have for news. I'm done. Cue theme song.
now you get to find out um, what joke I stole that joke from the beginning of I've our episode. I've been waiting patiently. You already know. <laughs> we are doing another one of our fan theories episodes. We haven't done one in a while, and I was actually talking to one of my friends who listens to our podcast. Oh. I know. Someone <laughs> listens to our podcast? I know. <laughs> and he said he really enjoyed the fan theory ones and was sad that we hadn't done one in a while. So Aww. I figured it was time that we do one again. Um, and this time we're featuring Lilo and Stitch, which I'm really excited about. Ohana. Ohana's family. Family never leaves you alone? Is that it? <laughs> family means no one gets left behind oh. <laughs> or forgotten. I was close. <laughs> um, so there are so many fan theories about Lilo and Stitch that we might have to do another episode on this eventually someday. But um, we got some pretty interesting ones for you today. So um, I just wanted to preface this episode that uh, by saying that all of the fan theories have um, to do with one of the characters featured in the movie, but some of the theories are informed by the sequels or the TV show too. So, um, with that said, uh, let's move to our first fan theory. Do you want to start us off? Sure. So the first theory involves the mean mugger Cobra Bubbles. In case you forgot, Cobra Bubbles was originally a CIA agent before becoming a social worker. That's quite a major career change, no? We're led to believe a CIA agent who was involved in alien contact just walked away to become a social worker? I think not. Not without a good reason. <laughs> that reason is his old friend and partner, Lilo's father. Basically, Lilo's father and or her mother were co-workers with Bubbles during their CIA days, which explains why Bubbles hasn't yanked Lilo out of her current living environment under Nani's care. Bubbles jeopardizes... Sorry, it just it gets me that his name is Bubbles, and <laughs> we're talking about, like, a big macho CIA agent guy. That's the point. I know. <laughs> okay, sorry, back to the theory. Bubbles jeopardizes his own job up until a point. Lilo's behavioral problems, the state of their house, and the frequency Lilo is left to her own devices would have any other social worker taking Lilo out of that environment well before the events of the film, or at the very least intervening with some sort of court-ordered therapy. This explains why Nani's um, has been adrift in the sheltered harbor of Bubbles' absence, but patients can only run so thin before a person snaps. Bubbles cuts them some slack when he really shouldn't have in honor of his late friend, but he's not going to risk ultimately losing his job over it. Lilo's fascination with photography is also a significant factor. An avid shutterbug, Lilo proudly tells her big sis, My camera's full again! as Nani scrunches up her face in annoyance. Clearly, Leo, Lilo fills up her camera often, but it's only because she likes the art of photography. Lilo's father may have brought her on a low-risk surveillance assignment there on the island, knowing that no one would look twice after a father and daughter taking pictures together. He used it as a cover of sorts. Since the majority of Lilo's subjects <clears throat> seem to be overweight people, the target would have been an overweight person, something Lilo distinctly remembers, and 
Now she takes the same pictures as a way of remaining close to her dead father. Furthermore, Lilo's strange taste in books is also an important component to the theory. Not many little girls read books about oyster farming or Iowa's roadmaps, which is why Lilo's book collection is similar to her photography subjects. Her father likely had many books of wide-ranging topics that he read to research for his various overseas undercover assignments, which she noticed and tries to emulate. But wait, aren't Lilo's parents actually dead? Um, many believe that Lilo's parents are alive, after all, but are either in a witness protection program or on some intergalactic assignment. However, others think that her parents are deceased based on an episode of Lilo and Stitch the series. I guess until Disney execs say yes or no to this theory, we'll never know. Yep. I like that theory. Um, I... I like it, but at this, I feel like they're stretching it a little too far with, like, the Lilo's fascination with photography and weird books, but I think, I think it it could be that her parents are alive. Like, I don't think that her weird fascinations are pointing to that, but I can see why, like, her parents being alive could be a valid theory. Yeah, I don't think that her parents are alive, but I, I definitely think that Adrian Cobra Bubbles um, has a suspicious background and connection to their family, so I can definitely see him yeah. has, as having being friends with their parents who were a part of either the CIA or the same um, organization that put him in contact with the aliens in the first place. Because at the end of the movie, he isn't surprised at seeing aliens. Yeah, that's true. He knows of their existence, so. Yeah. Alright, shall we move on to the next one? Let's do the next one. Alright, this one has to do with a crossover between two of our favorite Polynesian-themed Disney movies, obviously Lilo and Stitch, and Moana. I am Moana! Now you're Sarah. I was impersonating Moana. Oh, duh. Okay. (laughs) So, um, according to one of the YouTubers that I have researched, because most of these fan theories I found off YouTube this time, um, there is a mind-blowing theory that connects these two movies. As the theory explains, Maui lived for a thousand years before he met Moana, which means it's completely plausible that he could live an additional thousand years, putting him in the same era as Lilo. In Lilo and Stitch, Lilo was late to her hula class because she was paying a weekly visit to Pudge, the fish, to bring him a sandwich. When asked why she visits him, she says it's because Pudge controls the weather. We know that Maui is a demigod, or, sorry, a ruler of the wind and sea, and can lasso the sun with his hook. So, basically, he has pretty good control of the weather. And we also know that he's a shapeshifter who has, um, th- who is capable of transforming himself into a fish. So, what if Maui shapeshifted into Pudge to look after Lilo? Well, obviously, that raises some questions, such as why would he do that? <clears throat> uh, in Lilo and Stitch, we find out that Lilo's parents died in a car crash on a rainy night. 
Because it was a rainy night and Maui has control of the wind, the sun, and the sky, could Maui be watching over Lilo because he had something to do with the bad weather that killed Lilo's parents? Maui is mischievous and often careless, like when he threw a boat on Moana and repeatedly tossed her into the ocean. <laughs> that was funny. Yes. What if his just messing around went too far and contributed to the death of Lilo's parents? Maybe he feels so bad he's taken it upon himself to look after Lilo. And what if Lilo consistently visits Pudge because she knows he controls the weather and she wants to protect her family from further misfortune? It all makes sense. Or does it? <laughs> Who knew such a little peanut butter and jelly loving fish could be at the center of something so revolutionary? What do you think about this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's clever that they thought, you know, that they linked the two movies, but there's no way. Yeah. I gotta agree with you. Because, <laughs> I mean... It's like two, di two completely different worlds like even yeah. within disney yeah and also like maui's a demigod and he doesn't strike me as somebody who would feel bad for accidentally causing the death of somebody's parents yeah i'm sure like a lot of weather inducing yeah things have happened and like maui doesn't actually control the weather he just no. like helps the weather be what it is yeah. according to legend and he says you're welcome for that yes oh. and thank you Ooh. okay next up we have um a bunch of little theories that are just little one paragraph little theories yep little blurbs we'll get back to the bigger theories again later um but yeah, so just a little precursor. Uh, I found this off the website, and there's a little blurb about um, what connects all these five theories. So in 2002, Finding Nemo was released, and we learned, as we've already said, that Ohana means family, and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. So you'd think that with that lesson, among others, the movie is filled with sunshine and rainbows, right? But you'd be dead wrong. In fact, these theories are believed to be, um, if these theories are to be believed, Lilo and Stitch is so much darker than you ever realized. Of course it is. Yes, people always gotta put a dark spin on Disney. Yep. Okay. The first, sorry, the first mini theory, right? This is the first one? Mm -hmm. Okay. The entire plot is not as playful as it seems. Though the animated film is filled with colors and Elvis Presley music, the dark undertones cannot be disputed. List first points out, after a comic but ultimately disastrous visit from a social worker, Nani must prove that she is fit to care for her younger sister Lilo. After she hears Lilo praying on a shooting star for a friend, she decides to get Lilo the, a pet. That pet, which turns out to be Stitch, who turns out to be an alien. More disasters ensue when with Stitch at the center of many of them. The social worker returns, telling Nani that the best option for Lilo might be the one without her. That night, Stitch, seeing the trouble he has caused, leaves. 
Lilo tells him, I'll remember you. I remember everybody who leaves. Loneliness, finding a place to fit in, the need for companionship, they all rest at the very core of this tale. Is this even a theory? I don't, I don't know. I think it's just talking about how, like, it's not playful. But I mean, like, every, every Disney movie has a darker side to it. Well, and I don't even see it as dark. I just see it as more meaningful, like... More realistic. Yeah, it's, it's the underlying themes of the movie that mean more than just, like, you know, a little girl who likes Elvis music. It's, I think it's that layered aspect of Disney where when you're little... And you're watching the film, you just see Lilo as an annoying girl who has a lot of problems and her her sister's kind of mean. But then, like, when you grow up, you realize that her sister is kind of mean because she's looking out for Lilo and trying yeah. to do what's best for her. And, like, it's kind of hard to create that dynamic and that relationship without having some real-life issues that are just hard. I mean, it's not dark. That's just... A fact of life that a lot of people have to deal with. So, people don't get it. Nope. Hey, if you don't like having movies with lots of, like, more realistic themes underlying them, then just go watch, I don't know, like, Cinderella. (laughs) That one's pretty fluff. Pretty fluffy. Fluff, 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 fluff. I was talking with a coworker today. About how, well, she told me that she didn't really like Frozen because Anna's kind of stupid in it. And so then I started talking about, like, how all the other princesses are really stupid and for falling in love at first sight. And I was like, yeah, think about it. I mean, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty got woken up by a strange man kissing them and they went to go live with them. And... And, like, Pocahontas learns English in 30 seconds when she meets John Smith. Oh, that's definitely a euphemism. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This next one isn't really... They don't really provide the backstory, but apparently this person is asserting that Nani's story is actually based off of a real-life drug background. Um, yeah, there's nothing really else about that theory. Yeah. I seriously doubt that. Yeah. I don't even, what was the story about? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Lilo and Stitch, and I was never really a huge fan. I'm sorry, I know a lot of people are, but eh, it's not my favorite. Um, so basically... Stitch is an evil experiment, and he's programmed to destroy everything he sees. And no, I I know that I know the story of the movie. What's the story? What's Nani's story? Oh, I didn't. There was no link to it. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, we can just say that we don't believe this theory. Yeah. <laughs> It just seems unrealistic with Disney. Yeah. Especially modern day Disney. Alright, next one. Do you want to just do the next one since that one wasn't really a theory? Uh, sure. Okay, the next one was that the tourists were almost a lot more ignorant in the film than in real life. So you know how people sometimes talk 
a little louder when they're speaking with people who don't speak the same language, or maybe even slower, but still not in the native tongue of the other speaker. It's that kind of ignorance that nearly made its way into the Disney film before someone with common sense nixed it from the final cut. So I guess this one is assuming that whenever Lilo's interacting with um, like the guy eating the ice cream, the really fat guy eating the ice cream, <laughs> that um, he was kind of touristy and rude and like the people on the beach and they decided before they released the movie to cut out that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, I can see why they would want to. Yeah. That could have raised a lot of eyebrows. Yeah. I'm glad that didn't make it into the film. Not to say that it doesn't happen, because we yeah. all know it does, but... Alright. Next, the Disney feature is supposedly about the plight of the American military wife. The movie starts with an international tribunal taking... Tri- tribunal? Tribunal. Tribunal. Taking an unethical scientist to task... For his crimes against, let's just say nature. He has been experimenting with the building blocks of life itself to create a conqueror of civilizations, a killing machine, a super soldier, a super soldier with no real home and an identity suppressed beneath layers of intentional conditioning. For more on this theory, let's just talk about it. I didn't read this one very well, (laughs) as you can tell. I was a bit in a... Hurry when I was putting together this week's episode. Um, I think the theme behind this one is that, like, the American military wife, I can see it going either two ways. Um, that she has to take care of everything when he's gone. Um, and he's, like, off causing destruction and stuff. And then the other one is, like, trying to tame him when he comes back. Like, Stitch. What do you think? I can look that one up or try to. No, that's fine. Uh, I think what you said makes sense. Again, I it's a stretch for whoever's thinking of these theories, but yeah, you. I mean, you can say that there's a theme in anything, but whether or not that movie was meant to portray that theme is another question. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think that it was meant to. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> They're just people trying to draw crazy connections unnecessarily. Yes. Alright, moving on to the last of these mini theories. This is an exciting one. Um this this last theory claims that Lilo and Stitch is connected to Mulan. Ending on a positive note, we first came across this theory when delving into the world of Mulan. In this one, Mulan exists as a fictional heroine. With the actual Disney universe, Mulan is not or is the only fictional film we can be certain exists in the Disney verse, as we see the same poster that was used to advertise the film in our world. There's even a restaurant in the film called Mulan's Walk, which is presumably some kind of PR tie-in. That's cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I do like that. That makes sense. I like that one. Yeah. That makes sense. Because, like, I mean, Disney puts in Easter eggs into all their movies. So, why not this one, too? Why not take a crazy chance? (laughs) 
that's the Lizzie McGuire movie for all those of you mm. who, who didn't know. <laughs> that's not a Disney movie. Yeah, it is. It's Disney Channel. Oh, yeah, original that's movie. right. I forgot Lizzie McGuire was Disney. Mom didn't like me watching that show. Why? I think it had something to do with she didn't like how the parents were. Oh, yeah, the parents were kind of idiots. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if I were a parent, I probably wouldn't like my kid watching it for that reason, too. But it yeah. was so entertaining. I love it that was. show. All right. My last preface before we move on to the last two, two, two theories. Um, these were taken, well, they were inspired by YouTube videos that I saw, and so I didn't write them very well. Um, so I'm sorry for any choppy language that comes across. All right, let's go. Why Jum Jumba yeah. made his experiments. So that's the question that apparently this theory is going to prove. Mm -hmm. Jumba was ostracized from the intergalactic community because of his sinister experiments. He bought his own lab on a private island and oh, can planet <laughs> planet. And continued to work with his friend from college, Dr. Hamsterville, which is an awesome name. <laughs> Both would be arrested upon the creation of Experiment 626. Jumba is released to apprehend 626 in the movie, and during his time on Earth seems to soften up, although occasionally experimenting on the side. If, But if he could make such a drastic change of heart, was he really ever evil? And why does Jumba even want to make these experiments? Jumba boasts of his evil genius status. He was able to create hundreds of experiments with destructive capabilities leading to his arrest and proving he had an evil record. But none of his experiments actually stayed evil. Um, as we know from the Lilo and Stitch, the series, the TV series. Which begs the question... Was he really evil? A lot of Jumba's experiments were harmful only until they found their purpose in society. There were a few of his experiments that seemed to be purely evil, but they all had weak weaknesses built in. Like Leroy and the Stitch sequel had a fail switch built in whenever Aloha Oi was played. <laughs> if he was truly evil, why would his experiments be able to be morally persuaded for good? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jumbo's experiments were intended to create chaos, destruction, and confusion, but they all had a deeper morality. So, were the experiments themselves even evil? He could be bad at making experiments, or Jumbo could also just not be a villain. Before the movie was released, he was considered one of Disney's villains, but he has since been removed from that list. And also, the TV show has an episode where Jumba is expelled from the intergalactic evil genius organization. <laughs> in another episode, he mentions his evil genius family, and it is clear in the film that he respects his mother. It could be that Jumba pursued an evil genius career because he wanted to please his family, particularly his mom. But it turns out Jumba really wasn't much of an evil genius himself. I think that that makes sense. Yeah. I never really thought of him as a villain. I didn't either, but, I mean, I guess he, when you call yourself an evil genius, <laughs> you probably should be considered as a villain. Maybe. 
Doesn't yeah. Doofenshmirtz refer Dr. to... Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Yeah. Doesn't he refer to himself as an evil genius? Yeah. Yeah. He's the I bad like guy him. in the show. And... Um, Do you refer to evil and cooperative? Yeah. Same thing as same word. Yeah. 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 But not Lilo and Stitch. No. Okay. Anyway, I think that this one's definitely onto something. Um, I'm not sure if that's the reason why Jumba's experiments all have a moral side. I'm not even sure if that was unintentional. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, it, if it was intentional, then mm-hmm. I get it. There's a uh, there's an ep- a YouTube video that I watched that I couldn't find that definitely, if we do a second theory episode on this one, um, explains um, Jumbo's different series of experiments, and um, it has to do with the correlation of what they were numbered, and they get more and more deadly um, the higher the number goes. So, yeah, and that's actually one of the things that we're going to talk about in the next theory. Which you get to talk about. Which I get to talk about. Okay. So this one questions why 626 even became Stitch and didn't stay Experiment 626 forever. Because it's too many syllables. Yes. So how did a super destructive evil alien turn into a little girl's fluffy best friend? Um, Experiment 626, oh my gosh, I can't talk anymore was designed to be evil with superpowers that would help him achieve this end. Super strength, extra retractable arms, claws, and laser eyes, among other secret secret hidden skills. Stitch did exactly what he was programmed to do from the moment he escaped his container to after he arrived on Earth. But this could only last so long. This is mainly because Kwai, Leela's home and no major cities, which he... Wait, sorry. This is mainly because Kawhi, Lilo's home, had no major cities which he could terrorize. I apologize. <laughs> With nowhere to destroy, Stitch had a bit of an identity crisis. This could also be explained by the fact that 626's programming wasn't completed because the Federation arrested Jumba and unplugged the switch. He could have very well been 100% evil if he was allowed to finish loading. <laughs> One of Stitch's superpowers was his ability to think faster than computers. Paired with his curiosity, this meant he was able to reflect and question his purpose. Eventually, he decided to look for answers himself. This led him to research, and when he came across a book he didn't understand, he had Lilo explain it to him. The answer he arrived at was family. Also, I forgot to mention that book was The Ugly Duckling, which is significant. Yeah. To the storyline. I did know that that was, like, a big thing. Yeah. Okay. But we all know Stitch was created, not born, so family was not the answer. And when Jumba told him this, he went back to the only person who had shown him sympathy, Lilo. When she was kidnapped by Gantu, Stitch couldn't sit idly by and let the one person who had supported him and loved him um, go. Stitch never really changed. He only became aware of his actions. Through his friendship with Lilo, he gained a family and discovered his purpose. Wow. So what do you think about this one? 
I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think this goes back to the whole morality thing. I mean, I think uh, Stitch, if he had been allowed to load fully, I don't think that he would have had an issue with morality. Maybe. I think he would have found a way to get somewhere else and destroy something. Yeah, I think I, I think that's plausible. Because then he would have been fully loaded evilness. Fully loaded evilness. So, like, and this could just be me not remembering the movie, but how does he get his name Stitch? I don't remember. I... I Lilo, think did Lilo give it to him? Lilo gave it to him. Hmm. Um. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Yeah. Oh, another fan theory that I saw um, was talking about the significance of Lilo's name with regard to her character. And, and I don't know what language it might be Polynesian, I don't know. But Lilo, supposedly, one of its meanings is, or translations is, lost and so it's really cute that she named him stitch because he stitched their family together Aww. that is cute yeah. well that's all the fan theories that we have for this episode like i said we might have another one in the future with more lilo and stitch fan theories um but obviously let us know if you like this episode and we'll have a think. <laughs> we'll have a think? Yeah. That's what Will says. Oh. He says, I'll have a think on it. That's but funny. in a British accent. <laughs> All I can think of is Pooh Bear doing his think, think, think. Oh, bother. <laughs> oh, bother. Pooh Bear. Okay. Well, we'll, I mean, I, we don't really see you, but we'll see you next time, I guess. You'll hear from us next time. Yes, you will hear from us <laughs> next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed hearing our fan theories for Lilo and Stitch. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to check out our website,